In the year 1831, biologist Charles Darwin began a fateful journey on the HMS Beagle. On that journey, Darwin formulated the controversial theory of evolution which has impacted society down to this day. Our goal is to punch holes in that theory, so we'd like to welcome you to Sink the Beagle. Fire one, Captain! Way to go, Stan. You just did it again. Well, there's nothing that does my heart so good as to see that HMS Beagle sink slowly through the waves. All that's coming up are bubbles. Glub, 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 glub. What kind of bubbles? Ah, helium. Okay. No, I'm John Kerlinski. <laughs> I am Stan Hudson. We want to welcome you to another episode of Sink, sink the, the Beagle, where we look lightheartedly at the serious issues of evolution and creation, and we sometimes get a little lightheaded. Lightheaded, as in floating heads. Helium-headed. <laughs> oh, no. We're talking about helium today and gas. Gas. John, I'm afraid our evolution friends have a gas problem. Should I get him some gas X? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they had too many lentils last night. <laughs> Who knows? That'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> Bad burrito. <laughs> Our long-age friends, those uh, that believe that we are here through long evolutionary processes of small, medium, or large change, depending upon your particular classification of evolution, evolution uh, evolutionists are uh, in trouble today because there is not enough helium. Not enough helium, Stan. Not enough helium. There's not to lift their arguments out of the muck and the no, mire and the pond scum. <laughs> <laughs> there is not enough helium, and here is well, the issue. What? What? Wait, wait, wait. Well, okay. What, what, what? Not enough. Wait. There, yeah. there, there's the they Earth's run, been around for millions of years. They date it radiometrically and say the Earth's been around for billions of years. There ought to be enough helium. Well, maybe because, radiometric dating is the issue. Well, what? Helium is should be lots of helium around, according to that, isn't it? Well, helium is supposedly produced helium for, I should say, a specific flavor of helium. Oh, they come in flavors like vanilla. That's chocolate. right, it, and it's the heavier version. Helium is usually Does three and the atomic weight. It is now four with a certain isotope, and this isotope comes only from radioactive decay. Oh. Okay, so kind of a radio, radioactive decay rocks. isn't that the release of of a changing of like one element into another over time? The the radio the yeah, John, and like, I think you would it, understand the idea of decay, wouldn't you? I'm, Getting old, and yeah, that okay. stuff. <laughs> my teeth decay, my toenails decay. Those tooth tooths are getting kind of long, but. Yeah. Anyway, when we when we talk about a rock getting old on this planet, a rock getting old usually decays. Well, what is it like an, an example? Igne oh, an igneous rock. Oh, igneous rock. So okay. then they date this by various methods. What method yeah. are we talking about here? Potassium argon. What method no, are we using here? Well, actually, a number of them, but in particular uh, those involving uranium, because uh, those those decays tend to produce helium as one of the byproducts. Oh, so normally, if I understand this right, when they do radiometric dating, they're measuring the amount of of uh, like uranium or thorium that goes to lead, mm -hmm. lead 206, yes. lead 207, lead 208. That's right. It's, it's decaying. So what we're saying is they're measuring two elements, but they're forgetting another one that's part of the process one as well. One of the byproducts, because as one heavy 
complex metal like uranium uh, decays into something less complex. Like lead. Like lead. It gives off the byproducts, a different byproducts, and one in particular is a gas, helium-4. Now, helium-4 is significant because... It's up in the air, and just taking a great big glob of air, no, a basket, no, a bag, a balloon. Or whatever, a balloon of air, you should be able to measure what kinds of gases are in that balloon, that pocket, and therefore know what's in the atmosphere, and there should be some helium for, especially if, John, okay. rocks have been falling apart for four and a half billion years. So what we're saying is if rocks have been decaying for four and a half billion years, yes, they are giving off more helium, so our atmosphere should have a certain amount of helium in it, quite a bit maybe. I don't yes. know. What, 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 well, what they're, the short. they're short. They're short. If all things are going according to plan, evolutionary 4.5 billion year plan, okay. uh, there should be X number of tons present. Uh, the problem is there should be roughly 10 billion tons of radiogenic helium-4, but there's only about 3.5 billion tons. That's a uh, lot less. And that is um, actually, that's several thousand times less than there should be. And if you think about it, uh, you know, 10,000 versus 3.5, that, that's a reduction of about 99.9% of what should be those. That's so a lot a, of lost gas, There's 99.9% of helium-4 unaccounted for. Talk about absent without leave. Oh, man. I mean, talk. we need to get to hire, hire those UN inspectors and see if they can find it. Find those missing helium bombs or something. And <laughs> so the, now there's been a number of explanations that they've tried to come up with to explain where the helium-4 went. I, I remember reading about one of those explanations. It okay. says, might be those polar winds. In other polar words, winds. well, they were saying that there are some uh, high interstellar type of winds up in the up in the ozone or whatever up in the polar areas, and uh -huh. that's sucking away the helium. There's a helium loss into the well, at the time it was thought the vacuum of outer space. Uh -huh. It was kind of being you know through a little hole or something on the poles, going, and it was going to Munchkin Land. So they all talk like they have helium in their lines. <laughs> That accounts for Munchkin's language. Yes, okay. that they, all the helium went to Munchkin land. Well, now, the, the problem with that, and there's a number of problems, but one of the problems is that the maximum amount of uh, of estimated uh, wind, uh, effect that a polar wind could have is roughly about how much is being produced right now. So it should be biggest, best case scenario should be a constant number. There shouldn't be any differences. But There's even uh, a bigger problem, I there's think, There's a bigger Stan. problem. Go ahead. Recent science says that there is no space isn't a vacuum it's sucking off. It's not a off. perfect vacuum, no. It's not a perfect vacuum. And matter of fact, I think that there's something fishy on there because if it's not a perfect vacuum, that means that there's stuff in space. Yeah, other gases, other, other matters. Gases. Yeah. Hydrogen, helium. And and so there's not quite the huge vacuum that they thought, the power that would be behind it, but there's even there's even other what issues in that? that, and that is that helium-3, which is the natural, normally produced uh, weight of helium, which is, uh, you know, obviously one, th uh, two, one, two, three, three fourths the weight of helium four, and therefore should be higher up in the atmosphere. It's lighter. Uh, that stuff should have been sucked out first or even more than the helium, helium four. four, but there's plenty of helium three. 
Um, huh. So, you, you know what I understand, Stan? I understand that according to more contemporary theories of what's in space and what's happening, we are actually not losing helium at all. We ah. are gaining helium as the Earth spins through space. It's actually gather. The Earth is more like the Hoover vac kind of. <laughs> Sucking well, up some extra helium and hydrogen. Well, if you think about it, even the the fact that gravity still holds our gas uh, gases down on inside the atmosphere. Let's face it: no matter how much hydrogen you put in a balloon, it will not float to the moon uh, because gravity still holds on to even light elements like gas. So, if the planet Earth is doing this swath through, through orbit, stellar orbiting space. around the yeah, gravity even will attract stuff uh, pull uh, it back in pull it back in, and, yeah. and what they're saying in, in more recent studies i think it's probably because of space lab and shuttles and other things they're discovering that there is some helium in the space beyond mm-hmm. earth's atmosphere and that we're probably grabbing a small amounts of that mm-hmm. even enough that there even should be more helium that one would have been released by radiometric dating of yes uh, Yes. Uh, of what we would measure radiometrically. This is definitely a gas problem of significant portions. Well, what? <laughs> so, so what's happening then is that though they want to date rocks, yes, to be the uh, to a certain age, four point five billion years or three billion years or yes. one billion years, whatever yeah. the origin that when the rock, rock began. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even if you start throwing in a bunch of variables, no matter how you crunch the numbers. They're unaccounting for a major byproduct that should also be there. And, and if you think about it, if the theory holds that when something like uranium breaks down into lead, it gives off some helium, then if the the helium is not there, then the lead that you got supposedly from the uranium didn't come that way at all. It, it may have been another original method? too or uh, something else. They might have been capturing some isotopes or something too. Isn't no, that possible? No, no matter whatever you're talking about, it's not the – probably the long – it's not a support for long age as it appeared to be before. And so what's happening, I sense, in radiometric dating is they're not relying solely on uranium lead anymore. And matter of fact, they're starting to shy away from it as measuring the dating of certain rocks because there are these problems that show it not to be a very good measurement at all. Well, again, the problem, you know, there's a number of assumptions that radiometric dating employs to make it work as a theory. And among those is you know what the original percentage of the ratio was between parent and daughter isotope when it first was formed, and no one knows what that was. They're guessing. They're just assuming. They're assuming that it started with a certain proportion, and then as it decays, that proportion changes very, very reliably over time. Mm-hmm. But again, if it gives off uh, da- it gives off uh, secondary or uh, daughter isotopes like helium-4, and there the concentration, there's not enough of it there to assume this process has been going on, you've got to relook at that theory. That whole theory starts call- being called into question. Mm-hmm. And if I understand it correctly, they have other methods of dating. They have potassium, potassium argon. Potassium argon, very popular. And, and they have rubidium stronium and others. I, all of these are suspect, John, in the same way. That is that they don't know what the original proportion was. And they also are assuming that they always decay at a constant rate and there constant could not rate. be conditions 
where they might have decayed differently. And if I understand it correctly, even like in the potassium argon cases, they do know that under certain circumstances, underwater kind of things or whatever, yeah. you do get different readings. And you're not supposed to if the theory is holding water. Excuse me. Holding water. Yeah, it doesn't hold water. Yeah. <laughs> and for instance, in Mount St. Helens, some of the, the, uh, the lava that was produced at that eruption, we're talking 1980 now, uh, dates to half a million, one million, two million, even three million years in some cases. And yeah, we know and that ain't so. We ain't, and so that what they try to do is say, well, there was some, some contamination. There was some variables. What's really happening is that there needs to be an overhaul, completely an honest evaluation in the scientific community to even see if any kind of these dating systems are really even valid. Mm -hmm. And what's happening more and more is that there's so many questions coming up that Honest scholars are saying, this, these aren't even valid systems. We're just grabbing numbers out of thin air because when the tests are done, enough tests are done, they throw out the ones they don't like and are keeping the numbers that do correspond with what they their preconceived ideas of how old something should be. I remember reading a quote about a, a, a long-age evolutionist who worked in a lab. It was part of his career. Uh, and in particular, he was referencing carbon-14 dating. Uh -huh. And he, he said in this quote that, of course, creationists love to use, he uh, said that fully half of the dates that they get aren't used. And he said there's there's so many difficulties, so many uh, variables that they wonder why, this guy wondered out loud why we even use carbon-14 at all. Now, this was a guy who believed in it. And carbon-14 is more recent stuff for dating things that are just that, thousands of years old yes, versus... Or, organic material versus rocks. Yeah. Well, actually, Stan, helium, we were talking about helium, where'd all the helium go? Well, it mm -hmm. isn't gone yet, but the Bible talks about a day when all the helium... Is going to go? Is going to go, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be gone, and we'll be able to account for where it went. <laughs> okay. It's I a, think I, you're referring to the book of Revelation, Yeah, the you? torpedo text has it. It tells us when, it's, when the helium does go, when the gas problem is finally alleviated. <laughs> There's a day when God is going to make all things new. According to Revelation 21, 1, it says, Now I saw a new heaven. And a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's when the, when it passes away, all the he, the heaven and the earth, the helium is gone too, folks. There'll be a new heaven, maybe new helium, maybe new helium, maybe recycled, cleaner, unpolluted helium. <laughs> the point is, is that when it comes to dating, it, the, there's the devils in the details sometimes. Yes. And when people understand some of the details and issues of it, you begin to wonder just how how wed to their materialistic philosophy evolutionary thinkers are when they don't even have an open enough mind to evaluate the many, many variables. It yes. Kind of, it really, if, if, radiometric dating does do one thing for me. It does reveal one thing crystal clear. What is that, John? The limitations of human thinking. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Join to us again for another Sink the, the Beagle. Beagle. Thanks for listening to Sync the Beagle. If you have comments, questions, or requests for Dr. John or Dr. Stan, you can email them at hudaho at mindspring.com. That's hudaho, H-U-D-A-H-O, at mindspring.com. Be sure to listen in next time to Sync the Beagle. So join us here each week, my friends. You're sure to get a smile. From seven stranded castaways here on Gilligan's Island.